you found the Out of the Ordinary podcast. Welcome, I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And this is the place where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. As usual, we are recording here at Christie's 100-year-old farmhouse called Maplehurst, where we enjoy the fine smell of mushroom farms in the distance and an opportunity (laughs) to catch up in person. A few of my very favorite things are a pool of sunshine on a warm wooden floor, ice cream sundaes, and carpool karaoke. Lisa Joe, I love flowers I grew myself, reading a book with a kid on my lap and picnics under a spreading tree. We also really love you guys. We love this community and we love the chance every Wednesday to pop into your earbuds and spend the day with you. Whether you're driving kids to school, washing the dishes, catching up on somebody else's homework, finishing that work project or working in your yard. Why don't you take a moment right now, pause, scroll down and click the subscribe button. We want to make sure you don't miss a single conversation with us. Now it's time. Get comfy. Here we go. Well, speaking about subscribing, thank you to those of you who have. (laughs) We love your reviews. We just love them. They are like candy or maybe soup for the soul or coffee or hot chocolate, whatever your treat of choice is. That's how it feels every time we hear from you guys. So one of our favorite things every now and again, every few episodes is to share a few of the comments we've received from folks really across the globe that are listening in. So here we are, joint conversation, because here's another comment from another listener, and this is titled, Not a Podcast Listener. So it's always interesting when we hear from folks who aren't typical podcast listeners. She says, I am not a podcast listener, but this is the podcast I have gone back to the beginning and listened to every episode. I have been in a season of no friends. I mean, no friends. But after reading Lisa Joe's book, Never Unfriended, and doing the We Saved You a Seat Bible study, I'm beginning to go out and make friends and reconnect with old friends. Thank you for unknowingly encouraging me to let God heal gaping wounds and know that I am a good friend in Jesus. Your friendship is wonderful to hear each week. I hope to one day hear myself talking as you two talk to each other. And Christy, I ordered your books too. Oh, that's so (laughs) great. You guys, it never gets old to feel like the books that we write and we put out there into the world, they actually meet you. They meet people that we might not meet in person. How nice would it be if we did? Yeah. But we might not. But man, it's just such an honor to get to feel like we journey alongside you. So thank you. Thank you very much. Lisa Joe. here's another one where the book led to the podcast because she writes, she mentions Placemaker here. So let's see. Uh, this is from Soon But Not Yet. And she left a review with the title, I'm not alone. <laughs> Five stars. I'm not alone. Thank you for making me feel like I'm not alone in this journey. I stumbled across your podcast this week after reading an article in Living Lutheran Magazine about Christie's new book, Placemaker. I went online to check it out, which led me to your podcast, Huge Podcast Connoisseur. And now all of my other podcasts have been put on hold because I can't stop listening to Out of the Ordinary. My 33-year-old self has felt so alone in the journey, in the middle, wondering, praying, and dreaming about when I'll be a mother, be a homeowner like you, Lisa Joe, be a better wife, be a blank, enter all of the things, over overachiever here. 
You've made me realize that I'm not alone in asking, wondering, and praying for all of these things and feeling like my life as a woman is incomplete without them when in reality it is not. I'm on the journey, on the way to something unknown, and you've truly helped me realize to not jump to the end without delay. I started with the tea episode, which spoke to me because I lived in England for a year, and I have a whole cupboard in the kitchen devoted to tea. After the tea episode, I knew I had to start from the beginning, and I can't stop listening to your stories and words of encouragement. Thank you for your ministry here. Please keep pouring out these words of encouragement and hope for all of us. That's almost a whole podcast right there. I mean, that's so amazing. And I was scrolling back to see which one is the tea episode where she listened so that other folks can jump in if they haven't heard that one yet. So that tea episode is episode 22. If you haven't listened yet, it is called An Easy Way to Reset Your Day. And we basically tell a bunch of love stories about tea because we love it so much. So how fun that that's where she found us, episode 22, and then went back to the beginning and listened to all of them. And we love that our ordinary stories resonate with you guys. And when we were thinking about what we wanted to talk about today, the idea that came to mind related to the specific story is this concept of what I would call everyday extravagance. Oh, I like the sound of that. Right? Because we tend to think of extravagance as something we save up for special occasions. Uh Uh-huh. But the truth is, most people don't live day-to-day special occasions, right? (laughs) Right? We live ordinary days where we pick up the kids and we forget to do the laundry and I have to go buy groceries again and I need a new way to make chicken and all of it (laughs) just feels like it's set on repeat and it makes me tired. And so, being able to gather and tell these ordinary stories helps me, at least, not seize the day, but see the day. Slow down long enough to see it. And when I'm paying attention... I can spot the extravagance. So this is a story that dates from when, Christy, you guys had just recently moved to Maplehurst. We had been with you. I think the first holiday we really spent where we stayed at the house was Christmas, right? Right. We moved in August, and you spent that first Christmas, uh, that December with us. What year was that? Do you remember? That was 2012. 2012. So Zoe was only a year old then. And Elsa had just been born. She was a couple months old. How is that even possible? So we had spent Christmas with you. Then we were back, I think, maybe for Easter, we Mm -hmm. saw you, Mm -hmm. and then it was Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So that would have been your, was it your, it was your second Thanksgiving. Second Thanksgiving. Right, because you were with the Bairds for your first Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. So we were here for your second Thanksgiving. And as one does in the haze of ordinary days that tend to blend together, sometimes what we think of as simple or ordinary When we hear the story behind the story, we discover that there's actually extravagance lingering underneath the surface. So I will tell you the ordinary part of the story. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And then Christy can share, can peel back the layers (laughs) to add the extravagant top coat because I didn't know. When we came, I did not know that other layer to the story and would only find out years later when I read your book. (laughs) Much like our (laughs) podcast listeners. It was through reading the book that I then called you up and said, oh my gosh. Okay, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So backtracking to the beginning of the story. So it was Thanksgiving. We drove over and I'm trying to, I don't even remember which house. We were still on the Virginia side when we made that trip. We weren't in Maryland yet. We drove over with our kids who were still really young. We were here for Thanksgiving. We stay up on the third floor. Pete and I are in one bedroom. Zoe, I think, was probably on a, in a pack and play or something on the floor next to us. 
the boys were in the bunk beds. We had Thanksgiving here. And I, because the meal, the decor, none of that registers strongly with me. So it's going to be interesting to do with the memories from that event. I remember the conversations. I remember the way we celebrated the thanks part of Thanksgiving. But what I do remember is that in the dining room, we all sat around. The dining room table is the same table that you guys had when you lived in Chicago. That's right. Mm -hmm. In your apartment. Mm -hmm. But you couldn't fully open it Mm -hmm. as as long as you can now with all the additional leaves. Right. So I remember how long that table is downstairs in your dining room. And I remember commenting to you how the room room is really beautiful. I like this paint. And it was it's almost black in some lights. It is, it's yeah. like Sometimes it looks like dark navy blue. Sometimes mm-hmm. it looks pitch black. Um, just it's weird because you would think painting a wall a color that dark would make the room grim. But instead, it makes the room warm. It and does. cozy yeah. and inviting. Yeah. And I remember taking pictures of the table with the black room in the background, the walls. But of course, you've got art on the walls and you've got armoires and the long table beautifully set. But it was passing thought for me, those walls. I mean, maybe 10 seconds, 15 seconds I thought <laughs> oh, about it. I know that's so painful for you. <laughs> but the impression, though, uh, lasted the whole time. Yeah. Because I took away from that Thanksgiving warmth. And I remember the mashed potato piled high that our boys, you know how rude children are. They like take <laughs> it and just like heap piles onto their plate. And you're like, wait, there are like 12 other people around this table. What are you doing? Um, I remember us sitting at the table. I remember you have a son and I do too who tend to complain overly about things <laughs> and both of them were pretty outspoken about what was the gross food i don't like this i'm not gonna try that <laughs> yep and we politely tried to shush them <laughs> there were candles it was such an amazing meal what i remember of course what i really remember from that is your tradition for everybody expressing their thanks was you had a, a little bowl on the table at the time i thought was an accident i think i even said to you do is this supposed to be here like is this supposed <laughs> to be in the kitchen but it was a bowl of just like corn kernels uh-huh, like, like unpopped pop- popcorn seeds, like popcorn, yeah. yes. And you had us all go around the table and each take one out, right? Uh-huh. And express a thanks uh-huh. for the year. And then we kind of went around the room until there weren't any kernels And you left. know, it just occurs to me, I think I got this idea from a good friend, Summer Gross. Um, she's a, oh, she's a, just a wife and mom and a writer. She's an Anglican priest. She is a spiritual uh Titan in my mind. She's just one of the loveliest, loveliest friends I have. And I think it was her family tradition. Really? Yeah. To do the kernels? Yeah. Because I, of course, I always aspire to do meaningful things and then get overwhelmed by how it seems like too much work. Because people will have, you can have a tablecloth that you save through the generations and everybody writes on it every yeah. year. And I always mean to. And then when it comes around to it, I just never do. And so I like the kernels because it was so, so easy. simple. Yeah. And even our children couldn't really mess it up, yeah. you know, because <laughs> very, they will try. It's very important. <laughs> They will definitely try. Yeah. And even they could bear to wait to eat, you know, yeah. while they did this thing. Yeah. You know, there was eye rolling definitely from some of our younger ones. And and they criticized the things each other were thankful yeah, for. And <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I remember us being at that table. I remember that room feeling so warm during a really cold time of the year. Mm. I remember the, the adults lingering while the kids left and ran raucous in the house. Um, and I just remember the beauty of that space as an imp- as a lasting impression. Mm. So I only commented on the paint color 
in passing, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. briefly. And you said, oh, yes, John and I just painted. And I remember thinking, oh, you did? Really? And you said, yeah, yeah. It took us a little while. And I said, I feel like I said to you, why, why didn't you hire someone? <laughs> oh, I think you, you did. I why remember Why didn't you that. just get someone to paint for you? Yeah. Like, why would you do this yourself? And I don't remember the specifics of your answer, but my impression is always that like this idea of we wanted to do it ourselves. Yeah. And I just brushed that off in the same way that you would like make your own bread or your own kombucha or your all the things I would never do. Yeah. Just like, oh, John and Christy, that's how they do things. Um, and then it, you know, it was over. And of course, it was a wonderful memory. Of course, I loved being there. But years later, I was reading your manuscript. And actually, before I say that, so I had received an advanced copy of your manuscript for your first book, Roots in Sky. And I was reading my way through it. I hadn't finished yet, though. Okay. And I was at a conference where your editor, Andrea Doring, was. Ah. And we were having a conversation about you uh-huh. as a writer. And I was saying, isn't she so wonderful? Isn't it so great? And Andrea was like, oh, my gosh, it's so incredible. And I said to Andrea, oh, I just love, I'm enjoying reading it so much. It's so great. And she said, you know, she is, you know, agreed. And then later on, I mentioned something to her about how we had been at your house for Thanksgiving. And she whipped around. <gasps> focused on me and said, oh, it was you guys. You were the ones they painted for. But I hadn't got to that part yet. And I looked at her and I confess did not want to admit I did not know what she was talking about. And I just said, yes, 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 we were. (laughs) And then got home, picked up my manuscript and was like, what is she talking about? I have to get to that section. And then when I got to it, it was everyday extravagance, the extravagance of your friendship, the beautiful richness that we didn't even know. It was like sitting down surrounded by a treasure trove without having the eyes to see. Mm. And the beauty of that book, which is what I hope the beauty of this podcast is, is to give people eyes to see the everyday extravagance they're surrounded by. Because sometimes it takes that. It takes slowing down and it takes telling the story. It takes remembering stories. It takes talking to other people about our stories to to recognize, to really see the treasure trove we are surrounded by. So mm. with that setup, you have to share what it was that we had no idea had transpired wow. to create that warm ambiance for us. It's actually quite healing and and wonderful for me to hear you describe it as extravagance, everyday extravagance, because now I can receive that and see that and agree with you. But what it felt like at the time and what led to it just felt like weakness mm-hmm. and, and, and bumping up against our limits. And it felt more hard. So, the reason I say that, I'm going to rewind the story. I know, start even with, a what little were bit the more. Color of the walls in the beginning. I'm trying to remember. So when we moved into Maplehurst, of course, there were the previous owners had done wonderful things to the home, but there was so much more to be done. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the walls had um, they're the old plaster walls. These are not new drywall walls, but right. old plaster. And in a lot of the rooms, the plaster was cracked and peeling and and failing. And when plaster fails, it will bulge. And fall off the wall. I mean, it, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's not good. It's not subtle. No, it's not subtle. Exactly. <laughs> this house is very dramatic in every way. Yes. It is. Goodness, that's it. So we knew um, 
that although in every other place we had lived, Jonathan and and I had always made our mark, we'd always painted our walls, but we had never repaired plaster walls. We had never painted so many walls. Mm. We'd never moved into a house and then had a baby six weeks later. So (laughs) So all of this was our experience here and we were very tired. And, um, you know, in those first newborn weeks after Elsa was born, first few months in the house, I would lie in my bed, um, you know, during the day with her, because I had this new baby, and I would look around my room, and I would see what to me was a very ugly sort of yellow on the walls that probably had been okay, but I think the sun had faded Mm -hmm. it, and it was not looking good, and the plaster was cracked. And I would lie there and just stare at it and think, I really, (laughs) really want to change the walls, not just in this room, but in the whole house. But we, at that point, could not really do what we had always done. We didn't have the strength or the energy or the time or even the expertise really to fix plaster and repaint the walls. So we did something we'd never done. We called a, a painter and had him come in and give us an estimate. So you did. We did. Hiring somebody. For the first time ever. And uh, but this was a year before that Thanksgiving. Well, when his estimate came back, oh my goodness, we looked at it and realized this is why we have never hired a painter <laughs> because we couldn't. We couldn't. I, you know, I'm sure it was reasonable pay for hard work, and he deserved it. But we did not have the money. So I actually write about this in Roots and Sky, where I say I, we realized uh, in that moment that we would have to do this work ourselves, mm-hmm. which would mean that we would do it slowly. And it wouldn't be easy, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't. Um, it would take time, and I would have to be patient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the things I didn't want to do. So, fast forward a year, the baby has grown. We have a little more time, a little more energy, and you guys are coming for Thanksgiving. And for a long time, that dining room had felt to me like a very cold room. Uh, East-facing windows, a light color on the walls. Um, just the hard surfaces of the table and the wooden floors and the the walls and the wooden beams in the ceiling. It just felt hard and cold. And it was also dark. And I just thought, I I I don't relish our celebratory meal in this space. Mm. I, I really would love this space to sparkle and feel warm and comforting and cozy and like an embrace. I just wanted that and I wanted to give that to you guys. And uh, But it was a dark room. And so one of the interesting things is that sometimes you can lighten up a dark room with white paint. Right. That's a good strategy. Sometimes with a dark room, you just go with it. And I just mm. decided, okay, this is a dark room. Our meals in here are mostly going to be in the evening when it's fully dark outside. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to embrace that. And so I did. I chose that really dark, um, oh, what was it called? I think I, I think I might remember We will check this for the show notes, but I think that paint was Benjamin Moore Deep Space. I think that's what it's called. We'll double check that, but it's it's not quite black, but it's a bluish, grayish, navyish, blackish color, (laughs) depending on the light. (laughs) I mean, much like Deep Space. Much like Deep Space. And so we just went with the dark and then we picked out those beams on the ceiling and bright white and um, the built-in cabinets are are also bright white. And so all that bright white kind of tempered the, the dark walls. And you're right, it transformed the space, but but the work of it, Lisa Because it's Joe? not just the walls, the ceiling. <gasps> the ceiling Joe. is painted too. All the rooms we have painted, there has never been a room <laughs> like that dining room. I feel terrible every never, time I relive this story. Never. Because, Oof. yes, of course, we painted the walls deep space. But then we painted the ceiling deep space. But it is not a normal ceiling. It is a ceiling with an old, old sort of 
paneling like like wood lath. Mm. You know, it's an 1880 house, so it's not a typical drywall ceiling. It's not even a plaster ceiling. It, it's like a wood lath, little strips of wood uh, nailed together with some bigger beams of wood. So that needed to be painted. Well, we discovered very quickly that you could not, it was so rough and uneven, you couldn't use a paint roller. The whole thing had to be painted by hand with a brush and it's a ceiling. So now picture Jonathan up on a ladder, leaning back with his paintbrush. Craning his neck. Like Michelangelo doing the Sistine (laughs) Chapel. Exactly like that. Digging that paintbrush into every little crack and hole and nook and cranny and groove to get the dark paint in there because if you didn't it showed immediately because it was such a contrasting color and i'm doing the walls we had to paint the radiator we had to paint the radiator pipe we had to paint the built-in cabinets we had to paint the doors we had to paint the trim at the baseboards and at the ceiling we had to touch every and how many coats did you have to do and so many coats because it just (laughs) soaked up paint and and of course we just thought what we are insane what (laughs) and yet and yet we wanted it we just wanted it we knew it was the right choice for that dining room it felt like a gift we wanted to give not only ourselves but every guest who had eaten that room we could see that the transformation was beginning that we were turning that cold hard space into a warm embrace of a room and it was costing us (laughs) and it was so painful and I distinctly remember one moment where Jonathan and I are both painting remember this is right before Thanksgiving and all of a sudden I scream at him John we were supposed to go to teacher conferences (laughs) and he says what I said it's it's Tuesday afternoon we we signed up for all the teacher conferences we're supposed to go to the kids' school. And we had completely oh forgotten because we were so absorbed with this never-ending paint job. And I can remember also saying to him or saying to myself while we did this, they probably won't even notice. Oh, when I read that line <laughs> in the book, I like viscerally remembered and was so relieved that, you had that I had noticed <laughs> that I had expressed how beautiful and we didn't express like I feel like Pete and I had walked around Pete had asked questions <laughs> like you know we had really we had noticed with like eyes hands hearts fingers but of course there's no way in that moment no. of noticing to understand the layers yeah. of love and work that had happened. I remember in the book, I think you talk about this, like you putting the kids to bed and yes. then the dread of going oh, back downstairs to the paintbrushes. <laughs> but you know, when I asked myself, or when I said that to myself, they probably won't notice. It was, it was a moment of working through. It was almost a question I was asking myself, is it still worth it? Mm. And I did feel in that moment, even though I was exhausted and and wanted it over, I knew it is worth it. And it is okay if they don't comment on it. It is okay if they don't actually notice it. Because like you said, I knew it was transforming the room. I knew how we would feel around the table would be impacted, even if it was on a subconscious (laughs) level. And I knew also, I think this is... This, is, this isn't about getting notice in a design magazine sense. This is about Jonathan and I claiming this space, making our mark, 
doing this project together, blood, sweat, and tears, right? <laughs> Literally. Of, of the paint, yeah, <laughs> painting this room. Oh. And here we are five, almost six years later, mm-hmm. and we still, John and I, talk about, remember painting? <laughs> <laughs> Every time I walk through that room, I think about it. But it is the most gorgeous room. It's so beautiful, it's beautiful. in there. And the light that comes in those windows in the early morning or the late afternoon is just captivating because of those dark walls like there's something mm-hmm. about it as though you know the white lace curtains blow mm-hmm. against the dark mm-hmm. walls and the light comes in i have felt that since then that that paint in that room has been like a a gift that god returns to me and returns mm-hmm. to me in new ways and what i mean by that is it felt at the time like a choice i was making something i was doing to beautify the room but because it required so much so much time so many cans mm-hmm. of paint so much effort I was often saying, is this worth it? Are Mm -hmm. we foolish? Is Mm -hmm. this an extravagance that is just wasted? Uh, Would we have been better off just being content with our white dining room? Would that have been the proper, the proper response? And, and, and feeling like we we were right to do it, but never quite sure. Mm. But a couple, you know, there's just been a few moments, sometimes special meals, but a few other things that each time it happens, it just, it's like God saying again, like making something beautiful is always worthwhile. So here's just one of those things. No, do um, more than one because I was okay. There might be a few. <laughs> yeah, because I'm curious. We were the first ones who got to benefit from that yeah. space, but we, you've lived years since then. Mm-hmm. Many what meals are the other and, moments of, yeah. of realizing? Oh, it was worth it. Well, one thing that I would have never expected and never anticipated, and this is very personal. It's just something that has really blessed me. Um, although I like to think maybe it has also blessed those who follow me on Instagram. <laughs> but what I mean by that is, you know, after that first year, I was not there and, you know, it took a while to get to this place, but I slowly became a gardener who grows flowers. Mm. So I didn't move to Maplehurst doing that or valuing that. But over time, you know, that interest developed and I started growing more and more flowers and cutting them and bringing them inside. And then I would want to take a picture of the flowers as mm-hmm. a, you know, just to capture that fleeting moment of beauty and quickly discovered that the absolute best place in the whole house to take a picture of a bouquet of daffodils or roses or dahlias, whatever it is, was in that room with the flowers spotlighted against the dark walls. Mm. It was almost like the ideal photographer's studio because of the light against the dark and then the flowers would just pop. So every time I took a picture of my flowers, I brought them into that room and I set them up in the corner against those dark walls. And the pictures that came out were just gorgeous. If you've never clicked through on our show notes to our website page out of the ordinarypodcast.com, today's the day to do that because the photograph that we've chosen to highlight for this episode is in fact one of Christy's pictures against a flowers against those black walls because they are so striking. So take a second, just click through and go check it out because it's so, so beautiful. And I used to tell Jonathan sometimes as I was taking a picture of my (laughs) daffodils or my tulips, I would say, when we painted this room, I never guessed that I was painting it the exact right color for setting off the beauty of these flowers. And so that's what I mean when I say it was like a, a gift that returned to me, that blessed me in ways that I 
I hadn't planned. Right. I couldn't have anticipated. But the eyes to see, to take that kind of delight and the ability to take a photograph of your flowers against <laughs> yeah. the back wall, right? That's unique. That's yeah. the gift. That's the eyes to see the day, not just to seize the day, uh, to see right. it, to open them wide enough to actually notice, my goodness, these black walls and these bright flowers, what a beautiful combination mm-hmm. they make. And I, and that's always our hope that we keep doing that here with you guys who are listening. We keep reminding you, pay attention to your dark wall and your beautiful flowers yeah. or whatever the equivalent is in your house yeah. or your life. And that when it gets hard and you're bumping up against the limitations and you're feeling your own weakness and inadequacy, whether it's in your own strength or because you don't have any money in the bank account or whatever right. it is, right. um, oh, that can just feel so hard. And we can tell ourselves, if only, if only I had more, yeah. if only I had more money, more time, more right. energy, you know, more knowledge about what to do. You know, we didn't know what to do with the broken plaster. If only I had more. And sometimes I, it's so mysterious. I, there's no formula. There's no formula. But so often what happens is that we lean into that ache, that longing that I don't have it. I'm not enough. And something really gorgeous grows mm. out of it. It's like that's the soil that's needed. Yeah. I, and I don't understand it. And yet I feel like that's what happened with wow. that dining room. That We just wanted it easy. We wanted that painter to come in oh. and just do <laughs> it for us and slap the paint off. We didn't want it to be so hard. I certainly didn't want to pour out my own blood, sweat, and tears. And yet now I can say I'm glad that I did. Tell us one more from that room. Okay. This is kind of a funny one. This is actually going to turn the whole thing upside down a little bit. (laughs) A year ago, a little more than a year ago, we had a guest in our home who um, by background is a bit of a designer. He has an eye. He Mm. has an eye and it's really great. Some people just do. And he walked into our house and just admired the, the old, you know, wood and the history. And he said to me at some point, Christy, have you ever thought of flip flopping your dining room and your family room? Switching them. Right. And I said immediately, no, that thought has never <laughs> occurred to me. <laughs> because when we moved, this room had a chandelier. That's the dining room. And right. it never occurred to me. He said, well, I just want you to consider it. And so I did. And almost immediately, it was like I could see what he saw. And I realized that probably when the home had been built, that is how it was used. And somewhere along the way, those rooms were switched and a chandelier was put in and what had been the maybe private family space became the dining room. Mm. So we, in that weekend, uh, with my enthusiastic, always up for it husband, he's so great, we switched all our furniture. And this is what happened. <laughs> the room that had been the dining room, the the scene of all those special family dinners. With its outer space, deep space. Exactly. Paint. Became a family room where now we gathered as a family in this cozy space. My kids started hanging out together. Uh, We would watch our family movies down there. It was in the right part of the house so Mm -hmm. that they could just slip up to their bedrooms from the family room. It was no longer this awkward dining room walkthrough where we had to walk around the table to get into the kitchen. It just fit the house. It fit the space. It fit how our family was using it. And now we had the dining room in the front of the house, which made more sense because those are the more public spaces of the house. The flow now when we have people over is so much more natural and right. The space just feels, it feels different and it feels better. It feels right. It feels like, oh yes, I think whoever built this house 
meant it this way. But, but it here's was the, wildly disorienting it when was, I arrived the But first here's the time. crazy thing. That deep space paint is like, I don't think I ever would have considered it for a family room. Right. But it's perfect. It's so perfect it's in there. So, and it's it, so cozy. It even matches the old battered leather sofas I got yes. on Craigslist even better than, yeah. you know, what we had it's in there amazing. before. It's as if I had designed, painted the room with the family room in mind. So even though it's no longer our dining room, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. I know. <laughs> well, what's funny is you did not warn Pete and I. So when we arrived, we were both like, wait, wait, what's happening? Where is the dining room? Wait. <laughs> um, but we agreed almost immediately how much perfect sense it made to have that cozy cave of a room now yeah. where you have entertainment or yeah. hanging out and talking or story time and then the dining room now is a room with lots of light streaming yeah. through all those big windows and yeah. light and bright and i love too in the dining room it's a bigger room and so not only can we spread the table out to its full length but we can add another table mm. at the end and we've been able to host for meals, sit down meals, many more people than we were before. But it's because of the that friend who came in and had eyes to see what I couldn't see. And he gave me the gift of his own vision. And uh, we trusted him and and uh, have been, you know, receiving the gift of it ever since. And because you and John did that work, you had a vision in your mind and mm -hmm. you thought it would be worth it. And what a gift. And that's what I mean when I say stories, our ordinary stories have so many more layers than we mm. realize. I think about that anyone who's a parent knows that, right? The things our kids take for granted is nothing. <laughs> yeah. You had to grocery shop and plan and prep and stay up late. And anytime you make a special occasion for them, but anytime you make chocolate chip pancakes that they think magically appear, yeah. you had to go to the store and buy the chocolate chips and the eggs and the milk or the Bisquick mix or whatever it was, the intentionality mm -hmm. that becomes extravagance when it translates something ordinary into something deeply meaningful to the recipient. It's a way of loving people. Mm -hmm. With loving others in our lives. It won't it won't look like painting rooms for everyone, but for John and I, it has looked like painting rooms before our friends come over for right. Thanksgiving. Right. <laughs> it's oh, our way of loving. Those friends are so grateful. <laughs> so this week, you guys, as you've listened, maybe something has come to your mind that you've thought about, that you did, whether it's in your house or your home or a kid's room or a photo album or I, I don't even know what it might be but if you have something like that won't you take a picture put it on Instagram and tag Christy and I at Lisa Jo Baker or at Christy Purifoy use the hashtag out of the ordinary podcast we would love to get a peek into your everyday ordinary extravagance so that we could all take delight in it together mm -hmm.